everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. It's Kat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Here we are, Season 7, Episode 1. That's right, yeah. It's good to be back. It's great to be back, and, you know, it seems like we just left, and here we are again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've been uh, recording some episodes while we've been on hiatus, and, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's been interesting, for sure. We've had some great guests already. Yes, and I think this has probably been the busiest break that we've had, um, but busy in a good way, because, as you said, we have some just phenomenal guests lined up for season seven it's gonna be great yeah for sure uh so it's you know a little surprising but um you know we've been uh we've been able to get guests that uh you know they seem to be more and more um i don't know what the word is but anyway they're you know we've certainly been uh busy tracking down guests and uh you know getting their stories and stuff so it's been a pretty interesting process it's a, i think it's amazing and i can't wait to hear the backstories i mean you know when you get a guest you uh, especially for season seven like we're already familiar with them and so you have in your mind a bit of their backstory before you ever even begin the interview. Uh, but just, you know, there's always like so, so many new things that you learn, I, I feel like, in the interview. And twists and turns that you didn't expect in some cases. Exactly. <clears throat> so, you know, you know, I love a good twist and turn. Yeah, yeah. So season seven, uh, it's going to be... You know, this one will end sometime around Christmas, I think. Yep. And, uh... And then take everybody through the holidays. Yeah. Up to the holidays. And then we have, uh... We're approaching... Somewhere in the middle of this season will be episode 100. Yes, and I can't wait for that episode because... I just feel like we're going to have a mind-blowing guest for that one. Yeah, uh, if everything works out, it should be. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, um, we are starting out on an amazing note because we have with us, um, should I go ahead and introduce our guest? Sure. Yeah, so we have with us, um, she is young country, um, singer, songwriter, and she's been doing this for a while. But um, Allie Colleen, yes, like Jolene, um, because <laughs> sir, she probably you know gets that um, pretty often. Yeah. Uh, but 
you know, she's amazing. Her um, songs are amazing. Yeah, she does. She have a new album out or a new song coming out? I forget what the. She does, um, and you know, the one in particular, I really um, have just fallen in love with the lyrics. It's it's a really beautiful song, and um, it's just I know she's going to tell us all about it. But this is not her first album that she has out. So, um, you know, she's touring all over. She's She's got so many great things going on, and I, uh, she actually was on Bobby Bones, so uh, in the, you know, the top thirty artists to oh, watch. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big, so, big deal. Uh, Bobby Bones is pretty well known in the uh, music, music circle, I guess. <laughs> yes, and to be chosen to be spotlighted. Um, I see great, great things, um, you know, maybe a year from now, two years from now, when we're looking back at our interviews, I think we'll be like, we knew she was going <laughs> to be in there. Yeah, we, we talked to her way back when. Yeah, but we're going to talk to her right now. All right, well, let's uh, hear, what she's, hear what she's got to say. All right. Allie Colleen. Allie Colleen, welcome to Backstory Sessions. We are so happy to have you. You are actually our first guest of this new season. No way, I'm honored. Yeah, well, we are honored to have you. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you guys so much. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, a lot of really rad artists, all that stuff. So thank you for allowing me a place on your on your platform. Sure, and uh, you know, I I want to start because we are backstory sessions. Just a little bit of information before we get into all the music stuff about you. You've got so much going on and um, touring and new songs out and all of these things. But uh, you know, one thing I think people uh, will notice about you is that you have quite a few tattoos that are <laughs> invisible. <laughs> So I do. I have a lot more that are not visible. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty covered. But thankfully, I got a lot of canvas to go. So, yeah, I'll get it covered so, one day. Um. So, what's the fascination? Like, uh, how how did it begin? Um. Honestly, like ever since I was a kid, I just I remember being a little girl. I remember seeing guys with tattoos. I thought it was cool. Thought it was sweet. But I remember like seeing women with tattoos and just thinking like, that's so cool. Because, like, so many women, you know, I feel like, you know, we feel how we feel about how we look. And, and, and oftentimes, I think there's a quite a long time of our life that we, our opinion is not the focal point, you know, to the answer to that question for us. And, and I just felt like as a young kid, just seeing women just covered in tattoos with whatever they felt like was important enough for them to put on their body. I just thought that to me is somebody who wakes up in the morning and puts on what they want to wear and they walk out of the house. You know what I mean? And I've always, like, really, really admired that. And um, there's a lot of things that I care a lot about. And just being a creative person, there's a lot of, like, art pieces that I care a lot about. And so I started with both my sleeves. Um, I think I got a thigh tattoo as my very first one. It's an elephant painting that I did myself. Um, so that was kind of cool that, like, I drew my first tattoo. Um, and it's on my thigh. And then after that, I just started with the sleeves. So I've got a, a color sleeve and a black and white sleeve and... Um, I get a lot of questions about my flowers. I have a full flower sleeve and I have a, a flower for everybody in my family. 
So, and it's on my right hand. So like, there's not a hand that I shake in this town or on this planet where I don't see all of the people, you know, that kind of matter to me, you know, in these interactions. And so a lot of them just mean a lot to me and I'm very, very happy to represent them and what they mean. And, um, I, they look pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's very interesting that you use your creativity, um, you know, not only through your music, but, uh, also that is visually, um, I'm sure that, um, as you're meeting people, this is a great way to have a conversation with them or, um, maybe to bond with new people. Absolutely. That, yeah. So it's very I, I mean, disarming for a lot of people too. You know, I think, I think when you, when you don't look like everybody else, you know, I find that you often find a hole for yourself sometimes. And I find that, um, in country music, you know, there's, there's certain pigeonholes and certain, you know, boxes to fit into, I think sometimes that people imagine. And it just seems to be very disarming about me, you know, like just from the get go, I'm already just different. Um, and it's been very cool and it has started a lot of conversations. I have a firefly on my neck and I get so many dragonfly gifts at my shows. <laughs> so many people bring these very, very kind, sweet dragonfly gifts to my shows and they have the same little Christmas morning face when they give it to me and they're like, tell me about the dragonfly. <laughs> and I just kind of look at them for a minute and I just tell them this story about a firefly and the whole time they're hanging on like waiting waiting for that dragonfly to come in so i have a whole little shrine at home of dragonfly gifts that i've just put like a little sequin on the butt and called it good <laughs> so how does that make you feel that the fans um react in that way to you <clears throat> i think it's so kind i think it's amazing i think um time is time is f like fleeting for all of us and i don't mean that in a morbid sense i just mean that none of us can get enough of it it seems like, you know what I mean? We're always running behind. We're always doing our thing. And so one, the fact that people show up to my shows just blows my mind to this day. I don't think I'll ever not be surprised <laughs> that like people come to listen to my stuff, but more so than that, they came, you know, with, with a full intention to, to give me a gift of something that they care about, that they know that I care about, you know? So it doesn't matter if they bring me up, if they think my firefly is a peacock, you know, it doesn't matter whatever gift they give me, it's, it's always, you know, very, very gratefully received. And, um, it just, it just blows my mind. Honestly, it's so kind. So did the dragonfly, did that hurt? Um, I mean, has there been one tattoo spot that's been more painful than the others? I won't hold it against you, cat. It's still a firefly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that one wasn't a, that wasn't a good day by any means, the, the throat tattoo. I, I bet you I get asked by about seven people a day if my throat tattoo hurts. And with no preface, right? They just walk up to you and go, did that hurt? And you know exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, but it was not my worst. I have, I have cover-ups on like my hips, like right on my hip bones. Um, and that was a bad, good day right there. Mm. <laughs> well, so with this creativity that you have and, you, you say that you plan to get more tattoos. Um, oh, absolutely. So uh, do you find that, I mean, where does all of this creativity come from? Have you just always been a creative person? I have. I've always been a creative person, and I've always been a weird kid. Always. It's always <laughs> kind of always been very present to me that I am not necessarily like the people around me. 
Um, I'm obsessed with with just little hobbies. I call myself a manic hobbyist. It's it's my thing. I often don't return to a project once I finish it. I just like <laughs> to know that I can do things, and I like to learn how to do things. And then usually after that, I'm good. You know, like songwriting and music has only been like really the one very consistent hobby that I have. I love drawing. I have my seasons with it. Um, right now, you know, the whole world. It's it's interesting. I feel like Halloween is happening sooner and sooner every year, mm. and I'm. I'm here for it. You know, everyone can whine about Christmas decorations coming out in January for the next year, (laughs) but I will never whine about Halloween decorations coming out too early. So like right now I have a bunch of random ass little, you know, things around my house that I'm making for decorations for Halloween already. And I just, I love it. I think it's a very expressive outlet for me and I don't know why, but I hope it doesn't go away. Well, you know, as a little back, Matt and I met on Halloween. So, uh, <laughs> no way. Right, we did, yeah. yeah. So you met kind of pumpkin babies, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I love Halloween. It's my favorite thing on the planet. I do like gore cosplay makeup and like special effects makeup, like for fun. Um, anyone who follows me on social media and all those kind of things, we posted an entire photo shoot this week of just this like nymph elf character that i made up that we went and we found this old busted up limousine in like a pasture and just took all these really rad random photos um as this nymph and it was so cool Hmm. and uh i'm just i'm just a weird kid so how does the weird kid end up in country music like you grew up in oklahoma and how do you you know how do you make that transition to nashville I knew that I wanted to come to Nashville, I mean, very early on. I mean, I chose music as a career path when I was like eight years old in the sense of I've set aside six, eight hours a week to sing since I was a little kid, just fell in love with it, fell in love with guitar when I was like 14, and and I've always been a writer. I love stories, I love creating narratives, and I love validating other people's narratives that, that maybe aren't talked about as much. And you talk about storytelling, you know, country music can sound like whatever it wants to sound like as far as I'm concerned, but it has narratives. You know what I mean? Like most of us, all of our favorite country songs, we have, we know what the characters look like, you know, (laughs) I mean, from the moment that I heard don't take the girl, I knew what all those people looked like in my head, you know what I mean? And, and, and created backstories for them myself. And, things like that and just really really cool stories and and weird stories right that some people would never really have a reason to relate to but do like fancy and like the night that the lights went out in georgia just these crazy narratives that like you wouldn't really think have a place in a lot of people's lives and people relate to those songs however they see fit and as a storyteller there was never a question for me that country music was was my place to be um loving to write narratives and validate narratives um, we have a university here in Nashville, Belmont University, um, and to me, it's just always looked like the big white Disney castle on top of like Music Row, like <laughs> just the coolest place. And so, um, I decided to go there in like eighth grade. I didn't look anywhere else. And so, when I graduated high school in Oklahoma, I moved to Nashville, and I got a degree in songwriting, whatever that means, and it was awesome. <laughs> and uh, just so grateful to get to do what I do and to get to create the stories that I get to create. So after you get the degree, um, how do you approach uh, making your career go to the next level? I made a deal with my family very early on 
because education is very important to them, and, and it, it, it should be. Um, and so I made a deal with my family very early on that I would get my degree, you know, before I really pursued music in the sense of releasing music, kind of performing by my own artist name, those kinds of things. And so I was just biting at that bit to get that degree and, and to get to do what I came to this town to do. And so with that said, we really kind of took a year and we traveled as much as we could and we did the bar gigs and the cover gigs and the three, four hour sets and everything. And it was, you know, you learned a lot and I learned what songs to play and what songs not to play. But the whole time, just again, just biting on that bit to be able to play my stuff. So I think that was the big elevating moment for me was when the shows turned into Ali Colleen shows opposed to we've got a, a Nashville recording artist coming to town to play some music for you guys tonight, you know, kind of thing. And right. so when the set became like Ali Colleen music and the narratives that I care about and the songs that I wrote, that was a very big elevating thing for me personally. Did, did your family try and steer you into something else? Like, Oh, you know, you should be like a engineer or something. <clears throat> and then, you know, they never tried to, to really steer me into something else in the sense of away from music, but it was very important to my family very early on to understand what it's like to do what you don't want to do right. for the rest of your life. So um, I think I got my first job at, at 15 um, outside of the first job that I had considered myself, which my parents paid me and my sisters to build like a bridge and, and to do construction work on our property so that we could get the tractors from one side to the other, you know, without crossing the <laughs> Creek. And we built this 75 foot compression bridge and I was 12 years old. Wow. And we got to drive like the, you know, the two ton jump truck over it when we were done kind of thing and, and, and see what our work did. Right. And, and again, really learn, I do not want to be building bridges for the rest <laughs> of my life, <laughs> honestly, ever again, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, you know, we were put in the summer jobs, you know, as soon as we could drive. That was kind of our little rite of passage to get a summer job. So we did all the waitressing, mm -hmm. you know, all those kinds of things. Um, but never as a career path, no, did my parents ever discourage me doing music. Um, all my sisters have always, we've just always been encouraged to do what makes us happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful to, to have had three parents that really encouraged that for us. Are your, are your uh, sisters in music as well or no? They are not. Um, they have beautiful families, um, and they've got babies that they're raising. They do like photography, and, mm -hmm. and my older sister like has a has a, a master's degree in theology, and and wants to go for a doctorate potentially one day, and all these things. And so education has always been my oldest sister's thing. She's very smart, mm -hmm. um, very smart, and and now has kind of found passions in other areas. And same way with my middle sister. Um, but I'm the only one that got the music book. So when you picked up the guitar, you said you were like 14. Was that just an was that an extension of uh, you know writing and singing and that sort of thing, yeah. or was it like I want to be the next Eddie Van Halen kind of deal? It it was only to to be able to feel like I had really written a song. You know, it was yeah. it was one thing to have this entire songbook of stuff that I could sing for you. You know, right. but it, it was a totally different thing to to say, I have a song. I wrote it start to finish. Here it is and not have to count on somebody else to play it for me, right. you know, or to to do that kind of thing. Um, my parents were very, very encouraging of me learning to play guitar. I think my parents got me my first guitar when I was about nine and I just stared at it for a couple <laughs> of years. I was like, that's actually really hard. I think I'm good. Um, but but once I really put that work in and, and it started to show, I was hooked. 
Um, and guitar is not my strong suit by any means, but my guitar is my, my best friend. I meet a lot of kids on the road who are just starting to learn. Yeah. And I just always encourage them. I'm like, man, if you stay with it, this will be your best friend. Like this will be your, this will be your person. You know, you're going to spend time with this thing and it's going to know you and you're going to know it. And you guys can really lean on each other in seasons when you need to. And I'm very grateful for that. My guitar's name is Betsy. She's my girl. <laughs> what kind of guitar buddy. is it? You name that. <laughs> I name all my guitars. Every single one of them. They all have names. Um, they all have stories behind their names. Um, but Betsy and I have been together for several years. Um, everyone knows her on the road because she has this huge hole that I've worked into her. Some people like to call her Trigger, but I'm like, Willie oh, Nelson yeah. is not the only person who's ever made a hole in their guitar, you guys. <laughs> um, to me, Trigger's a horse, so it's not a guitar, but whatever. <laughs> but um, So Betsy's a Takamini. Okay. And uh, and and Takaminis are really kind of what I've played mm. for the most part. Outside of that, um, I have just a couple other guitars, but the Takaminis have kind of always been been my my guitar. Have you messed around with electric at all, or you haven't gotten gotten into that too much? A little bit. I have one electric that was actually a gift to me um, from this really really kind man who we he, we met because he was like a purchaser, uh-huh. um, and 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 would have me come and play at his venue. His name's Brett, and he's very kind, and he gave me an electric guitar. And he's from Georgia, so my guitar's name's Georgia, <laughs> and it's like this really cool butterscotch, like just Fender. Um, it's very cool. I actually played it on like a song for the first time last week. I have a like a pop kind of project with this with this producer in town. Um, it's not really poppy, but it's just so different from everything else that I do, and it's right. because of the producer. It's very much like an alley and prod by Dom project, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, and and I got to play electric guitar on that for the first time, and that was very cool. Hmm. Interesting. So when you're writing songs, do you, um, what's the process like? Do you get uh, the lyrics and uh, the melody or tune, do they come at the same time to you, or how does that work for you? It's always different. Um, Belmont was very adamant about co-writing before anything else, and, and that is always and will always be my favorite thing about Nashville, is all of us were the weird music kid in our town. And then you move to Nashville, and you're just literally moving into a city of weird music kids. <laughs> and it's so cool. And so all that to say, you know, if there's four writers in a song, who knows how we're going to get there? You know, like we're all coming in with, with songbooks of ideas and melodies and all these things, and who knows where we're going to start. But for me personally, like when I write by myself, it tends to start from a melody that's in my head that I write the lyrics over and then just try as best I can to get as close to it as I can on guitar, you know, and, and kind of start from there. But everything just comes, comes from all different places. Um, I hear songs in my sleep sometimes. And if I manage to wake up and do a voice recording of it, I'll listen back the next day. It's always horrible, but sometimes <laughs> there's like one or two that I'm like, Oh, that was actually a good. Thank God I woke up. And like got it down. Um, but it's always different. And it, and it to this day continues to surprise me, you know, how we get to the end of, of a final project. Um, do you remember the first song that you wrote? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I um, When I get to do these theater shows where it's kind of just me, um, I very much emulate one of the favorite shows that I've seen. And that's just kind of how the artist just kind of takes you from their influences to that first song they wrote to where they're at now, you know, kind of thing. And I will play this song. It's called Sweet Melodies. Um, I don't know if you're familiar or not. There was like a blog, social media thing called Tumblr um, yeah. that I was on when I was like 14. And I remember I met uh, I met a kid from 
Long Island, New York, who wrote poetry. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he wrote a poem about me. Um, cause we would like uh-huh. Skype each other and like, whatever. We were like, kind of like pen pals, but not, um, <clears throat> and his name was Steven. So most of my audience knows this, this song is Steven's song. Um, but it's called sweet melodies. It's literally a chorus of the same two words five times. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's a good song to really show the growth of the songwriting process. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, so what did Steven think of this song? Oh, he loved it. He loved it. Um, he was very, very kind. And I think to this day, you know, to this day we follow each other on social media and, and every now and then, you know, my high school soccer group will, will comment on lives and stuff. They're like, play Steven's song because obviously it was the first song they ever heard me play and probably the only one to this day they even know of mine. You know how it is. <laughs> I don't know that they really follow me now, but they remember that song. And so just, it's just very cool, you know, kind of the lifeline that songs can have for different people. And to think that I made it up in my bedroom, you know, one night and I really cared about it. It's just, it's just wild to me. Have you written a song you didn't like? Yes. And people love it. And I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I will go to shows and have this one song called Not My Pasture requested and i'm just like gosh darn it i do not want to play that song for you guys like i don't even want to do it and for a while it had a big lifeline for me but it's one of those just kind of goofy songs you know what i mean and it's fun and it's a sing-along of a curse word so everyone's into it in the bar you know what i mean um you know the hook is like not my pasture not my bs kind of thing and then we just sing the s word for the entire chorus (laughs) and it's just like a big goofy sing-along and it's fun but um, I have seen a couple artists, you know, really launch that kind of goofy song. And then you go to their shows and everyone just waits for that one goofy song. And it kind of really discredits, you know, all the meaningful stuff that they get to write about. And I know some people can make an entire career off of that kind of stuff. And um, it works out for them. And, and, you know, not putting that down at all. But I don't want to have to sing Not My Pasture at every single show <laughs> for the rest of my life. Um, so what is it that, I mean, so is it just that you don't like about it, the fact that... I just don't think it represents me as an artist. Like, it's not on brand for me, it's not anything like that, it's just a fun song. Anyone in the world could cut it and sing it, and it would just be a fun bar song. You know what I mean? And I would love it if somebody else would. If some other artist would give it a life, please, (laughs) please go for it, you guys. Consider this a pitch, anyone out there. If you already are into it, take it, please. But I just don't think it represents me and what I do. Well, and it's already, like, you know, got a following. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) yes. Uh, So what is your favorite song that you've written? Oh, they're all your babies, you know, and they're all different. And and I think it's always probably the most recent one. Um, But I can think of a couple that I'm just very, very proud of. Um, When it comes to narratives, we have this song called um, Make Me a Man. And the whole chorus is about this little girl just being like, God, will you make me a man worthy of my mama? You know, and it's just, it's that song for us, us kids that grew up in, in divorced families. And I was very lucky to see my dad and my bonus mom fall in love. I kid you not, every freaking day of my life. <laughs> it is ridiculous. They're disgusting. They love each other so much and it's beautiful. And I don't ever felt, I never felt like I got to see that for my mama. And that really, really bugged me as a kid. And so getting to write this song about something I care so much about and then go play it on the road and have little babies as young as like six, seven year old, like look at their parents and be like, this is how 
this is your song, Mom. Or, like, this is your song, Dad. I just bawl. Like, it just kills me. <laughs> um, so songs like that, that that really matter, you know, that, that are different. There's another song called Well Enough Alone that is not a personal song for me. But Kimberly Atwood and I just sat down and we wrote this song about this little girl um, who had to look at her dad and be like, hey, Mom and I, like, we're well enough alone, dude. Like, you've made your decisions and, and you've made your bed and it's not in our house. So you can you can go do that, you know, and and it's a tough one. But I, I meet women and, and men all the time playing the song who's like, that was my childhood. And I hate that for them. Mm-hmm. But they get three minutes to sit in that reality, you know, and, and validate those feelings. And what an honor is that, you know, to get to do it. So a lot of songs that we're very proud of. Um, but, and this is the last one I'll mention, but we very recently shared a song on TikTok and Instagram and it's called honest man. And I think that, you know, my, maybe my generation isn't so different than other ones, but there's just, there's a fierceness in, in, in women around me right now. That is just incredible and encouraging. And I think that men deserve wholeheartedly to be pursued. You know, if I'm ever lucky enough to make people and have kids, which sounds absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, I want my I want my son to know that a girl can come up and ask him on a date and he doesn't need to feel belittled or, or anything. He just needs to feel honored and pursued and 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 he deserves that. And if I'm ever lucky enough to have a daughter like I want her to go get whatever she wants without hesitation and whoever that is. And so we have this very cool song called Honest Man that we're kind of teasing at a lot of live shows right now. And it's just it's just about a woman proposing to a man, you know, and it's like, hey, you say you love me. You say you want to spend the rest of your life with me. Like, I'm going to make you an honest man. Like, will you marry me? And it's it's very cool. And it's it's been very cool to see the response for it and people wanting to use it in their weddings and, and stuff like that. And so, again, when it comes to country music, just – narratives and stories like they're they're so special it seems like that's the theme of the songs that you're mentioning uh, that are important to you or ones that um, tell that story that people can connect with and um, maybe have a greater purpose than um, just the music yeah I think that music has its place in every single situation in life you know what I mean that's why it's played at restaurants that's why it's played at funerals. That's why it's played in church. That's why it's played behind movie scenes. You know, some of the most important movie scenes would be nothing without the song behind them. And 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 music is our country's largest export, as much as some people don't like to view it that way. And and it's so important. And I love radio. I'm very grateful for radio and the support that it's given me and, and the ability that it's given other artists to have their voices. But for me personally as a listener, I'm not I'm not getting any any nourishment or vitamins or substance right now from from the narratives that are being played. I love the songs. Don't get me wrong. They'll be stuck in my head all day long and I'll be <laughs> singing them. But but they're not really helping me get through something um, for the most part. And, and I don't mean that to discourage anybody else's artwork. But I'm just I'm very excited for country music to kind of make it shift maybe and come back around to these narratives that aren't just parties and alcohols and trucks and you know shorts and and fishing and that kind of thing and there's nothing wrong with those some of those are my favorite songs i would just love to see a more variety of of narratives including the ones we have now because they are rad songs and i love them so social media um what role has that had in your career a pain in my (laughs) backside (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. I, it's great, honestly. I love it. It's so wonderful. I don't know what we would do without it, but screw that stuff. <laughs> it's so frustrating being content, you know, and it's very frustrating um, because there's such a visual response, I think, that people maybe don't understand is, is happening as far as just conditioning in our brains and how they go. You know what I mean? I'd be very surprised if a lot of people love what they love without seeing that validation already on the post of this is a viral song. It has to be good. Mm. Or this isn't a viral song. It has to be missing something. Um, <clears throat> and you're talking to somebody who all the top of all my playlists right now are TikTok songs. I love what kids are making in their bedrooms right now. I think it's amazing. But I, I just I think it's been very hurtful to me and my creativity sometimes feeling like I have to prove myself through social media when in reality, like my place with you is my show, my stage, my show, my energy, getting to shake your hand. But with all that said, and, and just beyond me being whiny about it and very frustrated that I have to film myself <laughs> doing everything, <laughs> I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine my career without social media. We got to go play in Canada not too long ago, and I never thought that I would have to travel so far to hear more of my songs sing back to me than anywhere I've ever played before. And that mm. is not possible without social media. We have a, a very close uh, private fan group called The Cool Kids. And um, it's been very cool to see them meet each other like through this fan page. And and Allie Colleen is, is kind of that little glue that, that holds them all together, but not even. You know, The Cool Kids are what holds Allie together, to be honest, for the mm. most part. And, and they're very kind, and they meet each other, and they'll go to shows together. And, and I'll... I'll I'll have contact with someone for years before I go to a show. And I'm like, you're the Karen that I have to <laughs> ship to in Canada and pay extra shipping than everybody else in the cool kids. Like I know exactly who you are <laughs> and I can't believe I get to see your face. Like all of that stuff is not possible without social media. So I really, really am grateful for it as much as I will. I will whine. I'm very good at whining and I have a <laughs> lot to whine about. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever think, like, if you were back in time, like Loretta Lynn or something like that, of uh, going from radio station, you know, driving uh, just to drop off your record, um, you know, like how different life might be or your career might be if it were that way again? Absolutely. Um, I had my first radio single and radio tour in 2020. So as you can imagine, I didn't get oh. to drive anywhere. <laughs> I had a virtual radio tour. And when I tell you that these people, as kind as they are, they were chasing their kids around on the Zoom. All the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no one paid attention to me. <laughs> I, did, I didn't get anything done. Um, and I was just, I was, I've grown up my whole life dying to go on a radio tour and not make any money and lose money, honestly, and gas because no one's paying you to go do a radio <laughs> tour and go and sit with these people and use the really gross microphones that no one thought about wiping off until 2020, thank God, <laughs> and, and do the thing. Like, I wanted to do that so bad, and I will get to do that. But, um, Kat, honestly, I don't think I would have had a shot back then. I don't think I would have had a shot in the world because the people in place – that got Loretta Lynn and, and, and any, anyone that had radio play at that time, you know, that was a whole room of people that you had to go through and, and, and they had to like you to put you on the radio. And otherwise you just didn't get heard. You know what I mean? There wasn't streaming to get heard on there. Your, your CDs weren't going to end up in Walmart by, by yourself. Yeah. You know, independent artists didn't have that 
that freedom. And I can tell you if I walked into a, a record label or a radio station looking like what I look like, singing about what I sing like, and, and, and not giving a rip about anything <laughs> other than what I'm put on this earth to do, I wouldn't have had a shot. But it's because of social media and it's because of artists um, that came before me too, but it's it's mainly because of the fans that are on social media, media, and then playing the streaming, you know, and 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 so they're giving me numbers that I can take to these labels and to these radio stations, and goes, I have a market. Like you can't tell me that I'm not going to be received because I already have this, right. you know. And I just I truly don't believe that I would have had a shot in any other time than now. Um, did you ever consider like going the route of American Idol or you know competition shows like that? No, nope, wasn't ever really a thing for me. Um, I loved them. I loved watching them. I I watched Scotty McCreary and Lauren Elena Cena like season you know through, and um, I remember seeing Carrie Underwood and everything on there and and Kelly Clarkson and and loving it. But I also just remember not very good at math like at all i can tell you guys that right now i'm really not very good at math but there is a ratio problem <laughs> with the <laughs> names that you and i can list right now off the top of our head right of season finale winners nonetheless top five yeah. idol people you know what i mean and it just it just felt like that wasn't the place for me and i also just felt like um it just wasn't the place for me um i'm a, a huge fan of the shows i love to watch them but it just wasn't, really wasn't anything I ever considered. So with technology, I mean, obviously it's offered you, um, you know, access to your fans. Um, these TV shows, competition shows, um, you know, for some people that's going to give them uh, a chance. Um, is technology, do you feel like it's been a good thing um, for music overall or um... absolutely absolutely you know I think we have a decision to make uh, every second of the day you know what I mean like do you put your shoes up when you take them off do you put them up later you know like you you have a decision to make constantly all the time and people are going to make bad decisions and they're going to use things in malice, you know, and then they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do what they want to do, and I don't think any of that needs to step in or harm the people that are gonna use it for the complete opposite thing and, and for the good reason. So I would hate to see the opportunities that technology has brought music taken away just because of any anything that I could whine about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you're talking to somebody who travels with um, three bandmates, one of which is a is a sound guy, so he's not on stage. So there's three of us on stage. My guitar isn't even on for half of my show. Hmm. My guitar is just fully tracked. We use full tracks on the road. We use in-ears. Our sound is huge and it's big, and there's not very many of us because we just, we're doing what we can afford right now. Hmm. And, and our show would not be what it is without all of the technological advances that we have now. You know. And if somebody wants to go on stage and sing through a pitch correction mic, go for it. It's going to sound awesome. You know what I mean? And your fans are going to get what they paid for and what they asked for. Is that something that we do? No. But I don't think that it's a bad thing. I don't think any of the tech advances that we can have for music right now are a bad thing. Um, I just think they're some people's thing and they're not for other people. And luckily with music, as we've said, there's something for everybody out there. 
And with streaming now, you don't have to listen to the top 40. You know, you could never know a single song in the top 40 and have your genre, your music, your artist that you love. Right. And I think that that's rad. Hmm. Do you have um, sometimes comments on social media that are negative? And how do you deal with them? If so, I filter every single post constantly. Um, I have a lot of, not even negative things, but I have a lot of comparisons that I don't want living out there in the world. Um, <clears throat> I just recently, this last year, there's been kind of a lot of changes for me, um, like just physically um, on my social media presence and, and, and my representation and how I look and all those kinds of things. And um, people will say what they want to say about them. And they have full right, you know, and I have full right to delete the comment. I don't respond back to people. I don't give them the time of day. But yes, we go through and we filter all of our comments and we get rid of the negativity and things like that. And it's not even really to make me look good. It's it's more so because I have a fan base of moms that will rip somebody in half <laughs> in two seconds. I don't have to say anything for myself. I've got some moms out there that will get an address in two seconds. <laughs> and they will call that person and they will either call their parents or their wife or their husband and be like, hey, this is the face that your person's showing. Fix it. Mm. And it's amazing, amazing. And I would put them up against anybody. Oh, my gosh. They're amazing. But I don't like for my younger fan base to see a woman doing what she wants to do and somebody be mean to her about it. Because mm. I don't want that to put fear in them. You know, I don't want them to be afraid to go be who they are because they saw somebody else get bitten by an insecure person. Absolutely not. So we, uh, we do do a lot of work to get rid of the bad stuff. Um, but um, I don't know. I have a very hard time believing that someone can sit behind a keyboard and say mean things and be happy with themselves. So it doesn't really weigh too much on my shoulders. Well, um, the touring, I know that you recently, like, it was like 10 days on the road. Yeah. So that's a lot of hours. Uh, what's it like on the road and the tour bus for extended periods of time? It's very fun. Um, we So 2020 was my year, again, to, to really hit the road with the band. Up until then, I'd played solo acoustic shows. So it would just be like maybe, I don't know, maybe me and like my little brother going on the road and him helping me sell merch or whatever the case was. You know, it was very easy simple stuff and then when the band stuff came in we had a full tour lineup that we were so excited about and we lost it just like everybody you know lost something in 2020 and we didn't get to do it and so since then we've been kind of making up for those dates and surfing back around to those venues who were kind enough to give us a chance and and then hopefully give us a you know a second one to reschedule and almost all of them have so it's been amazing um we rent a sprinter van and, a tra and I, I own a trailer so we we're not to the bus level yet um, we have a van <laughs> Sometimes we're lucky enough to get on Outdoorsy and get get us a van that has some bunks in it. That's a big deal for us. That's some five-star <laughs> five rolling right there. Um, and it's just amazing. Uh, very rarely do we have any time to do anything. So this 10-day run that you're talking about, it made absolutely no sense, and it was freaking radical. <laughs> we, uh, we started in New York, and then we went over to Pennsylvania. Very easy, three hours, awesome, amazing. Then we had 48 hours to drive 30 hours straight to New Mexico, <laughs> play wow. a show. We had 48 hours to drive 27 hours straight to Minnesota, 
<laughs> I know, I know, I know exactly what you're thinking, and you're right. And it was awesome. And then we hit North Dakota, and then we came home. So it was 10, 12 days on the road, five shows, um, made no sense, and I would do it again tomorrow and the next day and until and, until I'm done, you know? Hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, you're up there in New York where I'm from. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I grew up in that area. New Paltz. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, we were in New Paltz. I don't know what it's near. I think it's like an hour from Albany, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, that thing? ish. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very cool. We got to play County Fair. And um, New York has been very sweet to us. We got to play a lot of, like, countryside kind of New York thing, and, and, and it's they've been very cool. Um, being from Oklahoma, it always surprises me how those northern states receive country music. Like, they love it. Yeah, and they're yeah. awesome crowds to play for. And I just don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that. <laughs> I didn't expect anything, like, mean or negative, but I just thought maybe, like, they'd like us so they would. But they love us. It's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, pretty diverse up there for sure. Very cool. I hear you're going to Denmark. Is that true? Yes. Uh, I get to go to Denmark next week. Wow. The, uh, there's a Nashville Nights um, songwriting festival. I was supposed to be on it last year, but some COVID policies changed about a week before we were supposed to leave. And we weren't able to go. Um, so I get to do it this year. I'm going with a lot of writers that I already know and then some writers that I don't know. I get to play a Women of Country night over there. Um that's a, a kind of a full band setting that a, a lot of us women get like two songs. Right. And I, I've got two women that were my women growing up. One was Jody Messina and one was Jamie O'Neill. And Jamie O'Neill is on this night with me. Awesome. And I'm already shaking in my boots. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, don't, I can't wait. And you guys, you talked about tattoos earlier. I was lucky enough to do two study abroads when I was at Belmont and in college. And on both those study abroads, I got tattoos in London and I got tattoos in Ireland. And so, I don't know what I'm getting, but I'm going <laughs> to do my best to come back from Denmark with some new ink. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we'll follow on social media to see what you get. Yeah. Yes, please do. <laughs> Keep me in check. I love to be right, so now I have to do it. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's kind of odd. I, like The thing that stuck out to me was like Nashville Nights in Denmark. It's... Yeah. Isn't it weird? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, it's kind of a common thread with me. <laughs> These <are> weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, you know, it works. Yeah. Uh, so uh, go ahead, Kat. No, you go ahead. It's no, fun. no, I insist. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, like you, you mentioned, um, two artists, two female artists that were significant to you growing up. Um. Who's your all-time um, biggest influence female artist? Um, All-time would probably be Ashley McBride. Just oh, because wow. of, I mean, for every reason ever, obviously. But, you know, she really showed me, um, she really showed me that we can do this. You know, be it looking like what we look like, singing about what we sing like, um, being a little different than everybody else. And, and seeing her do it unapologetically as herself and, and in her time that they finally took her into it. You know, I think she was much later in her game than she should have been when she got some of the recognition that she got. Cause she's, she's been talented since she could crawl, you know, and, and, and getting to see her do her thing has always really encouraged me to just go and be Allie. You know, it's very cool. It's, I get some questions sometimes if I'm, you know, trying to emulate Ashley or, or trying to be Ashley or any kind of way like that. And I'm like, no, Ashley showed me that I could be me. 
That's mm. that's awesome. Yeah, she she's great. I love her. I, I hope to get her on the podcast sometime soon. So if you're out there she's listening, amazing. <laughs> you know, if she's listening, though, I would think like that's the biggest compliment that someone could pay to you to say that you made it feel okay for them to be them. Um, if she is listening, honey, I know we had our one day where we were supposed to write and we just drank tequila, but I would really <laughs> like a song with you. <laughs> so let's do it all again and <laughs> be more productive this time. <laughs> I heard there's a story about her that uh, she was doing something for Dolly Parton and she like, um, Apparently she got fired or something because she started a microwave on fire. <laughs> I want to hear that Ashley story. Did? Yeah. Dang, I want to hear that story too. <laughs> she was a teenager. Well, you, when you see her, you ask her. When I see her, I'll ask her. I'll right. see who can get it done first, but I'll report back for sure. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, Allie, do you have any stories like that? Have you set <laughs> a microwave on fire or any, uh, you know, this house? No, I've... The silliest thing I think I've done yet in the sense of you know, being caught about it was I think I had an entire show where all night I kept screaming about Friday night and it was Saturday, you know, <laughs> but uh, nothing too crazy with me. Not yet. At least I've been, I've been a uh, pretty guarded on, on messing up, but I'm sure I'll get lax about that one day. Hmm. Well, it's Friday night somewhere. You know? <laughs> I wasn't wrong. I was just wrong. <laughs> Uh, is there anybody that you're looking forward to working with? Um, I, this most recent project that we put out, we put out a song in May called Halos and Horns. And we just put out a song um, in August. That was the last month we were in, right? I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, called Feels Like. And, and we have one more song coming out from that project. Hopefully we'll get the studio and do a couple more. But the producers on that on that project are, are just people that I'm a huge fan of. So we had Lee Bryce and Jared Neiman were the producers on our, on our most recent projects. And awesome. um, we have a song coming out um, later in the year that has an artist on it that I'm absolutely excited about. Um, I have a duet that I came, that came out last year in August um, with Carter winter. That is just, in my opinion, probably one of the best like country love song duets on the planet and I know exactly the ones that you thought of in your head right now they're like couldn't be better than that one <laughs> I'd put it up against All right. <laughs> no gloves let's go <laughs> it would um, but all that to say going forward that's kind of been a thing for me um, I know some people like to be the best in the room and, and prove that they are right. I will always try and be the dumbest most untalented person in the room because that's how I learn, you know, and getting to be around these people that are so talented and, and have had so much success in their own way. Yeah. Um, there's just no way where I get to leave that day empty handed. So um, I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm, I'm very excited for everyone that I'm going to cross paths with going forward. Mm -hmm. Well, so I did uh, want to talk to you a little bit about Feels Like, um, which is song that you mentioned that yeah. you have so the images in it are beautiful um the whole song is, is very um a very interesting and beautiful song uh, but i i like the imagery that you use so i pulled out just some of them like um fresh sheets out of the dryer uh what is it about that that's um so warm feeling or happy right yeah. so love songs love songs can get a little tricky 
for artists sometimes, you know, because I don't know how much the listener really considers this or thinks about it, but there are a lot of love songs that you write in a season where that's not your partner anymore. You know what I mean? Or that's not, that's not, it didn't work out. It's not that these songs, you know, have a bad taste or anything like that. It's just, they can, they can grow a little stale sometimes or they don't, you know, or they just, the, your co-writer wrote it. It was a co-writer's idea. You love the idea of the song rock on, let's go. Um, but there's always a very interesting thing behind love songs for me. And I just wanted a love song that I could sing for the rest of my life and know that every single memory in it was always going to feel good and taste good and, and represent me well. And that goes back to all those moments in my childhood, you know, when I felt more loved than ever. And there's just something about it. that you, No one can deny getting into the bed with clean, warm sheets and not just feeling something. You know what I mean? It doesn't even have to be for a person. It just feels good. And so there's fresh sheets out of the dryer. There's mama's hands in my hair. When I was a kid, I had really bad dreams. And I would actually play with my mama's hair. I would fall asleep playing with my mom's hair. And there's just something about playing with hair and like having your head scratched on where it's just, you feel protected. It's a whole different kind of comfort, you know, and it's a whole different kind of intimacy. And it's just, it's special. And so, you know, you have moments like that in the song. One of my favorite lines in the song is, um, waking up as soon as you pull into the drive, but faking your sleep until daddy carries you inside. Yeah. what is that about? You can go on a 20-hour road trip or a 20-minute trip to the store, whatever. When you turn on your street, you wake up. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but you do. You know what I mean? And just that whole sentiment of, nope, I'm just going to I'm gonna fake asleep so that he gets to carry me inside and, and we get to have that moment. Also, lazy as hell. Don't even want to get up <laughs> right now. Like, just loved moments. And so I got to sit down for Feels Like and just make an entire song of, those moments where I felt like that all with the idea of if you can find a, a partner in life that makes you feel as safe as you felt when your mom played with your hair or when your dad carried you inside or when you just spent a moment after a long day in, in warm, clean sheets in a, in a protected, sheltered home, like, holy cow, what a person. Mm. And I love Feels Like for that reason, because I get to say before I sing it, hey, if this song makes you think about somebody, you've nailed it. Hmm. And I think it just, I think it really puts into perspective to, for some people, who they have. And I think for other people, it puts into perspective what they're looking for. And and I love Feels Like. I'm, I'm very honored to have got to write that song and to got to give it a life. And um, I mentioned Kimberly Atwood earlier. She was the writer on that song with me. And I just, I love the song. I'm very proud of it. And then again, to produce it with, with Jared and Lee and, and Cody LaBelle was just an honor. I'm very proud of the song. And what about the line of throwing change into the bucket because you know that it comes back to you? Um, do you, do you believe that, that whatever we yeah. so going to come back? No, yes. So the line has a lot of, a lot of things in it right so the line is reaching in your pocket just to find washer change just to throw it in the bucket knowing it'll come back to you one day i can't i don't know about you guys but on the days that i've reached in my pockets and found like an old five dollar bill or something i kind of needed that money right you know like 
whether it was even just for the candy at the checkout or whatever the case was that I wasn't going to get. But now, oh, I got five bucks. Let's go. You get something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the thought of that right there. And instead of getting your candy, you just throw it in the bucket as it goes by to give it to somebody else, knowing that it's going to come back to you. There's so many people that do that with people. Mm. So many people that love somebody and they love them just enough to let them go. And they hope that they come back in some kind of way. Or even if they don't come back, they hope that they get to see them in the future happy. You know, and, and, and that's it. And I really do believe that you get in what you put in this world. I really do. And I think that I think that there's a lot of people that will get away with a lot of things for a long time. And they might not ever receive any, any bad stuff from that. But I don't wish ill on anybody. But very rarely do I meet people that are giving and kind and selfless and don't at some point receive something from that big or small mm. yeah there's a lot in that song um you know and there's a, there's also. so much in it because it's all good and it's all kind and it's all positive and then you hit the bridge right and it's just like the sun lights the moon i would be nothing without you and sometimes that scares me half to death but that's what it feels like. Like that's what love feels like. You know what I mean? Just giving somebody the opportunity to wreck your world and just hoping that they don't. And if they do, knowing it was worth it. That's amazing. There's so many people that will never skydive because it's not worth chancing the the alternate. You yeah. know, there's so many people that are never going to go and change their degree because they're already this far into it. And there's there's so many people that are never going to finish the sentence you know whatever you want because of this but i don't know that i've ever met anybody who went through their whole life not risking love and how damaging it can be and how much it can rip you apart i've never met anybody who didn't chance that and i think that that's very cool hmm. the coolest of cool some <laughs> might say <laughs> <laughs> Allie, you know, when it's all, when you're looking back um, on your career, like many, many years from now, um, what do you hope that it's accomplished? How will you know that you have achieved success? What does that mean? I think if I'm happy. You know, I think if you can do this, because the artist's life is very hard. It's, it's it's very hard. It's it's We talk about love being scary. You're given everything that you care about, including yourself, to people you're probably never going to meet, and you still care about them. That's very scary. Um, also, there's a big safety issue with our culture these days and how artists are, are treated and, and the violation of privacy and the lack thereof, especially with social media and how it's encouraged to know everything about everyone at all times. Even their current location. Um, I I don't get to share stories or posts anymore in my in my front or backyard because people will show up at my house, <laughs> yeah. and it's 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 silly, you know. And I think that if I can do all this and make my music and 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 help people and and allow people to help me, and I can look back on everything that I've done and accomplished it and be happy. Boom, baby. I don't think that's going to be that hard. 
I know that I know the the question was probably looking for accolades or, or some kind of big I made it moment. But as far as I'm concerned, I made it a long time ago. I get to be happy and I get to make music every day. That's 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 a cookie for me. That's a pretty big cookie. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I kind of expected the answer that that you give me because um you do have a very different feel to me than um I don't know. Uh, it's just the sense I get from you about. Oh, I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's just I think it's great that happiness is the bar that you've set for um, determining, you know, if this was successful or not. Um, because so many people might get other things, or they might use other measures and be very unhappy. And uh, what, you know, what is that really? Right. Right. And I, I, I've seen that. And I, I think a lot of us have seen that too, as, as culture comes out and as, as stories of, of people's life on the road comes out who are no longer touring or maybe no longer here, you learn a lot about who they actually were and, and, and a sense of, of misery that should not have been there. And yeah. and I don't want that to be part of my legacy at all. I don't want, anything like that to be a part of my le- legacy from unhappiness to substance abuse to any of those rock star things. I, that's not me. That's not what I want to leave here. I want to be happy and I want to help people. And if I get to do that through music and rolling around in a van with my buddies, <laughs> holy cow, I get at least one free meal per show. You know what I mean? <laughs> Living the dream. It might be a hamburger, but <laughs> oh, it usually is a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Kat, what did you say? I said, and you get a new tattoo of it, you know, every time. And you I get tattoos. <laughs> Some people dream about having, like, I don't know, stylists on the bus or, like, a barber on the bus or, like, <laughs> the, the driver that takes them in a sports car that's toted behind the bus. No. I want a tattoo artist on my bus. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's go. All right, Kat, you want to do the uh, question? I think we should. Um, if she has time, it would be great. Okay. I have time, but I have a question for you guys. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Ooh, if you were a jelly bean, what flavor would you be? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Come jelly on, beans. Come on, what would you be? <laughs> So you'd be a black licorice one. You'd just be a negative Nancy jelly bean. No, I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> I'm just not a fan of jelly beans, I guess. So. Okay, if you were a can- if you were something you enjoy eating, what would you be? Oh, wow. Uh, hmm. A Tootsie Roll. See, you made it harder. <laughs> a Tootsie Roll? Yeah. You're going to crap on jelly beans and go for Tootsie Rolls? <laughs> I'm not talking about you. That tells me enough. I'm not. I'm not talking about one of those like (laughs) green tootsie rolls or whatever. It's got to be like. Oh yeah, no. The side the side flavors are worse than the original. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Yeah. you're absolutely right. It's got to be the original (laughs) for sure. Yeah. What about you? I think I might be the black jelly bean because, um, you know, I found that people either really like those or they really hate them, and I think that's kind of the feeling that I have. The way I <laughs> dang. Now I want to like be a black them. jelly bean. <laughs> that's a great answer. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, uh, candy notwithstanding, um, 
We have been doing a random question that uh, one of us gets to ask you, but we won't tell you what the question is before you choose one of us to give you the question. Cat's question or cat's question? Dang. Um. It can be totally. Meeny, miny, Matt. Oh wow. (laughs) Damn. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> what is it going to be? <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll give you an easy one. Cats are usually a little bit harder. so I changed my answer. Cat, what's your question? <laughs> All right, Cat, go ahead. <laughs> my question is if you could relive any 60 seconds of your life every day for the rest of your life, what 60 seconds would you choose? Dang. Uh-huh. See? <laughs> the first time I had cheesecake. <gasps> wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or spaghetti. Either one. The first <laughs> time I had, but I think I'm going to go with the first time I had cheesecake. I don't know what I would look like after that. Probably Baymax or something, but <laughs> hopefully the calories don't count in those 60 seconds. You know what I mean? But absolutely the first time I had cheesecake. Wow. And that would be a great feeling for everybody. <laughs> Forever and ever and ever. <laughs> now you need to like a tattoo, you know, a cheesecake. Or that hurts. a cheesecake or something. <laughs> Eating no, cheese- I'm sure you I'm sure you're not supposed to give two answers to these questions, but it would either be that or like the first time like a full out ran, like on a horse. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. That's either of those one. moments. Yeah. Put me on a loop. That'd be amazing. That would be cool. On a horse riding cheesecake? That's a whole different thing. <laughs> on a horse riding cheesecake while you get a tattoo. Oh, on a horse eating cheesecake, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, this is great fun. Um, we've, I've loved having you as a guest. Thank um, you. Such a unique perspective that you have. And, uh, you know, it's just um, it's fascinating, your songs. um they touched me a lot um my own dad was a truck driver i think i even commented this on your page once but um you know when he would come home like that be you know the greatest thing to see my dad after he'd been gone for weeks. absolutely so i can definitely relate to him you know carrying me inside because every moment that i got to spend with him was you know uh I, I just that line of all the lines is definitely a feeling I associate with love. So you say uh, that you got to spend with your dad. Do you still have your dad? I do not. Um, you do not. And, yeah. So that is, you know, the opposite of uh, what you're saying of the greatest feeling of love. It's also the greatest feeling of loss. So. Absolutely. Well, I learned a lot of really rad things from my dad, but my biggest one is always this sentence and. It's that I know that you still talk to your dad. So you tell him hi for me. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> that's very that's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay. Thank you guys so much for having me on your platform again. I know oh, there's a yeah. lot of people you could have asked your questions and talked to and invested your time in. So nope, the, thank you guys. You know, you you uh you know, it's certainly been a pleasure, and uh, we'd love to have you back anytime you're available. And, uh, you know, we can 
talk about candy some more and tattoos and let's do it i'll have new ones by then right (laughs) yeah (laughs) sounds good sweet all right uh anything else cat yes just keep on being that influence especially to young girls and women uh i think that is amazing and uh, all the work that you're doing i wish you great success on your trip to denmark and thank you we look forward to having you on backstory sessions again. Absolutely, I look forward to it, and and I would be honored anytime, anytime. When we get some new music out, we'd love to come back and revisit with you guys. So thank you so much. All right, that would be awesome. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Good night, you guys. Good night. Good night. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Cat at. I write plays at Outlook.com, or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com, or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.